Alright, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. If you are blessed by that, give me an amen. amen. Can we rise to our feet? That song is supposed to teach us something. It's, uh, if you remember, that was all we were discussing last week, that's last term meeting, concerning how our attitude should be as the people of God. And what people, what God has as a problem these days is, the op- is people that are like the opposite of Job. You know what that means? Yeah, people who are like the opposite of Job. People that God cannot brag on. If Satan comes and says, uh, <laughs> have you considered my servant? You know, if God says, Satan, have you considered my servant, Bodge? You know, that's the opposite of Job. I just turned Job around, Bodge. I said, yeah, he's serving you for everything I, yeah, you have given him. God says, I know. So if you touch it now, he will deny you. Say, that's why I have not touched it. <laughs> that's why I have not touched it. It's risky. Touching it is risky. And such people are totally useless to the Lord. As a matter of fact, they are. Sometimes people like that, God is just waiting for them to have children, then he'll finally give up on them, hoping that what he desired for their generation will come out of that seed. That's what God does sometimes. So that's what that song is supposed to remind us of, that it's not about what we are getting. People save God for what he's going to get. No, it's about saving God for who he is. Many times Christians, Christians want to praise God. They are praising God for what praise does. Do you hear what I said? They praise God for what praise does. When you praise God, heavens will open. And your blessings begin to flow. Let's begin to praise. Hallelujah. You see people praising and praising. And God has turned to listen to Lantelabasi. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? He has turned to listen to songs coming from... That, is, that one said, Now nah, Kese they play. Sadly, the Kese can't lie. But sometimes Christians want to pray, praise. And God said they are not praising. They are doing all of these things for what they are going to get out of it. And that's what that song was supposed to teach us. That that is not what it's supposed to be. It is all about him. That is the heart of worship, where it is all about the Lord. Now, we are, going to, we are going to continue our teaching today. And before we do that, let's take the words of understanding as we usually do. Are we ready? Now, one, two, let's go. And revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please greet somebody on your left and your right. The person understanding has come to you again today in Jesus' name. Greet somebody else. Greet at least three people. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, now we are going to continue speaking today about, um, we're just in the general sense of what we have been talking about. And um, if anybody is listening to this, I just, I want to switch the topics. The simple reason, not nothing special. What I'm just trying to do is just to make sure that each series is not too lengthy. You know, sometimes when people want to listen to a series and they find 20 messages, they get like, what? What was this guy saying for that long on one single topic? So once in a while, we just uh, break it. The spirit is still the same. So once in a while, we'll just break it and change. Nothing is really changing. I just want to change it, just, just pack it in smaller volumes. In fact, my initial plan was that this year, I won't even be doing series so that people can just pick one message and listen to But Well, it is what it is, so we just have to leave it like that. But I just want to switch to another topic. So if anybody is listening to this, Alright, the person should bear in mind, if you are listening to this, that this is a continuation of the series which we titled Wanted. Alright? It's a continuation. Nothing changing. 
We're just going to continue from that particular point. So, to start today, let's open our Bibles. Let's open to the book of, um, I have so many scriptures. Which one do I read? Okay, let's take the words of the Lord Jesus. Let's start from the book of John chapter 15. The book of John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's how you abide. It's not just by saying that I abide in his love. It is by doing the things that I say. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide therefore in his love, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now, I've just read all of these to get it in context. The most important verse I want to bring out from here is verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Please, that second part is crucial. That's what we're talking about. Every branch he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. That is, the Lord is not satisfied with the position where you are in right now, no matter how good it is. If that position is good, he says, therefore, you qualify for the next position. I hope you're getting my point. That's what he's saying. God is saying every success in a particular position of your life is qualifying you for the next position that God desires for you to go into. Every victory in your life says to God that you are ready for the next promotion that he's presented. You must bear this in mind. It never comes to a point in life that God says, this is where you should be and you don't need to uh, progress or make any increase. What God is looking for in your life all the time is that progress. Bear this in mind, John chapter 15. If you are bearing fruit... You will be pruned. And it's that pruning I want to emphasize. Second Peter chapter 3. Here, what I want again is just one verse. But again, I'll just take it in context by reading from verse 14. And we'll read um, to verse 18. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. That is, the things that God says he would do. And he's returning. If he hasn't done it, take it as opportunity for salvation for people. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, 
speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. You therefore, now this is my text, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. That is, you are going to fall, if you, that is, somebody is going to fall from steadfastness. A major reason is because he's carried away by other people's errors. And it says, what is the defense against that? Verse 18. Instead of allowing verse 17 to happen, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him, he says, be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Now, maybe let me just take a minute and connect us with where we were before concerning this subject that we have been talking about. About um, of course, we talk about wanted. That was where we are. That's where we began from, trying to emphasize the kind of people that God wants. Please don't forget what we said. What God wants to do on the earth requires people. Somebody say amen. amen. He said that the, 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 uh, the lamb will overcome the beast because he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. What, does, what that means is that his overcoming is tied to the function of his kings and the lords who are working with him. Let's not ever forget it. What we are saying is that it's very easy to point fingers. We sit down, you know, I've said many times, you take a country like ours, what is wrong with the country? Almost everybody knows what is wrong with the country. And 99% of those who know what's wrong with the country don't think they are the one wrong with the country. I hope you're getting my point. Everybody knows what Buhari should do, which he's not doing. Everybody knows what our governor should do, which he's not doing. Everybody knows what the senators should do, which they are not doing. They all know. And that's what the Bible calls pride in the heart of people. Yes, because you, you think you have all the answers. And the problem is not you. The problem is them. Once you reason like that, no matter how righteous you feel, you have a problem. I hope you hear what I said. Once you are the type that will sit down and tell Buhari what he's supposed to do. <laughs> you know what? That's the first sign that you have the problem. Jesus said, what do you need to do? Take the log from your eyes. That your own logs, that most people that have logs in their eyes don't know they have. Yet they are busy spending time trying to remove some tiny thing from the eyes of the president. One little thing from the eye of the vice president. One little thing from the eye of the governor. Meanwhile, they are carrying two timber loads. You know what I mean? Two uh, lorry loads of timber in their eyes. They can't see anything. I know the truth. Everybody, most people are hearing this and saying, hey, I knew that was their problem. Did you hear what I said? I knew that was what? Their problem. The Bible calls it pride in the hearts of evil men. We like to point fingers. We don't realize that many problems we have around, we are part of the problem. One of the ones that makes me laugh, all right? In um, these African settings, when they are blaming the white men, that's because white men came. That's why Africa is still like this. They came and they plundered the continent. They plundered the continent. They carried us away as slaves. And then we go to their land. We became slaves. 
That is injustice. Let me say something to you again. If you are thinking like that, you are not a Christian in that area. I don't even know what you are. That's not Christian talk. The fact is, listen, the fact is nobody came to plunder your land and made you poor. They, they left long ago, and they who now plunder the land, white or black people? They know we are so funny. Even when black people start plundering, we start claiming that they are plundering because the white men are encouraging them to plunder. You know? By doing all of these things, God can't help. Are you getting my point? Now, please bear that in mind. Most of the things that we experience in life, we are the problem. That's number one. Now, next point I want to remind us of again is that, so when God wants to solve problem, problems, unlike us, he doesn't solve them politically. This, elect, this last election, some people lost hope once somebody was announced as a winner. Why? Because their hope was in the opponent. And you know, I saw Christians consoling themselves. For me, it was annoying that you needed consolation. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I found it thoroughly annoying that you needed to be consoled. I said, no, you know, I mean, I, I don't feel bad. You know, the Bible, I say, I just know that the will of God is going to be done. You know, I just be looking at you. You can see you trying to psych yourself with the word of God, which is not so, so terrible. But I'm feeling bad that you need that one. Some people say, there was rigging, so it cannot be the will of God. You know, some people think that God doesn't have power again, you know, like... If somebody wants to read God, you read God out of, read God out of the equation. All of this, there's rigging, there's rigging. Forget people's issues were not the will of, was not the will of God. That was not their issue. The issue is that the candidate I wanted did not win. Because the candidate wanted won, whether he rigged or did not rig, the will of God has been done. You know, I was so upset that people needed consolation. How, how attached did you get to a candidate? I don't blame you. How can I blame you when all your bishops were behind one candidate? Do you, do, do you know the kind of statements Christians make? Your power is your PVC. Ah. The weapons of your warfare, warfare are made of plastic cards. And they are powerful through INEG, through the pulling down of strongholds. Which Bible is that one? You see, if you see the kind of faith, you know I said it here the, 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 some time ago. I said, if Christians gather behind anybody, the person you know he has lost. Can you remember me saying it? That the gathering of Christians to support the candidate is a bad omen. Once they gather around, they don't say, God, please, I don't know them. <laughs> start denying them. Start denying them. Say, Lord, these people, I don't know them. I just came to church. They just love me. I don't know. I'm not their God in Jesus' name. I don't know them more. We both believe in God, but politically, they are on their own. I'm not their help. Because once people fix their eyes on a man as help, God says, my glory I will share with no other. Uh, no, no, no. He defends his glory jealously. If that person wins, then all you Christians that supported him know you are in trouble. Oh, you are in trouble? Why? Because God will make him the most useless leader you have ever seen. God will make him mad. And evil that's when you know God has evil spirits. Some people don't know that. It's in the Bible, they won't believe it. An evil spirit from who? God went to who? Saul. Yes, it was a sign of their rebellion. God said, I'll show you people something that I can do. 
For God to make an evil spirit is not hard. If normally he rolls like this, when he wants to create, he just rolls counterclockwise when he's talking. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Anything that comes out is evil. You will see people that you put your hope in, they will just come with a mad spirit. You will try to cast the, the spirit out. The spirit won't go anywhere. He said, you, you know who sent me here? That's what happens when Christians put their hope in a human being. We just gather and put out. Christians will gather. I've been warning for a long time. You can't put your money. See, I as a person, as an individual, I'm a Christian, but I'm also an individual. I'm a citizen. I can decide that I like truth and I want to support this candidature. It's not a Christian thing. It's a personal thing. But what I'm talking about is when the, the church, especially in a nation, when the church in the nation gathers and says, this is our help. This is our deliverer. And they start investing money and trying to get the person into power. God said, fine. You don't read the Bible again. My help comes from whom? The Lord. So once you start disobeying that scripture, God starts frustrating all your emotions. You know, God likes to disgrace people who are trying to disgrace him. If you say, God says says the Lord, when he did not say, he said, good, I have to disgrace you. Now, why am I going to all of that again? That I wanted to emphasize to us that when God wants to solve a problem, He doesn't solve it the way we solve problems. He says, Israel is in captivity. I will send them a Messiah. Israel expected this kind of Messiah. He will come and be a political, you know, big guy, a warrior, a deliverer. He will go there and deliver the people by force. And he will remove sinners from under the bondage to the Romans and bring them into a good land while they are still in their iniquity. That was what Israel expected. When God wanted to send deliverance, you know what he did? He sent John the Baptist. And said, go and baptize. And John was baptizing. He was baptizing with the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Even he didn't fully understand what was going on. God says that is real bondage. You think the Romans are bondage? They are not a bondage. The real bondage you have is to sin and to the devil. So John the Baptist came to deliver those who were interested. And when Jesus came, he came as a manifestation of something that John began. You know what God will say? That what he thought was bondage is not, if you see real bond, if you know how bound you are, you will understand that the Romans are a solution to your problem. I don't know, I don't know what I get my point. Listen, God is forever good. Even when he's judging evil, it is still goodness manifested. I don't know what I get my point. There, there are people here that God say, listen, I've given us an example many times. Say, poverty is your portion. Say, I've been, I've been suffering Christ. God says, I know. But you, right now, I hand you over to poverty. Why? Say, because the only way you will live past the age of 50. If I give you small money, 38.5 years of age, you will die. And listen, it's not as if he wants you to, to, you know, to be poor. He's just saying that, work on the reason why I, need to, I needed to pass that decree. Work on that reason. That, that you will find freedom if that thing has been solved. But many people are going from one conference to the other. Seven keys for passive income. Eight ways to make, what they call it, to have multiple streams of income. And God said, don't you read your Bible? They will gather, I will scatter. Then finally they come and say, I have a near success syndrome. 
God said, you are very correct. But what is the solution? Say, my solution is that I will not go for deliverance. God, show me the story of my life. Then one lying prophet will come to you. And say, the day you were born, they buried your placenta inverted. <laughs> say, what do we need to do? We need to rebury it. He said, where will I find the placenta? Okay, I don't know, I'm 35 years old. He said, doesn't matter. This is spiritually buried, spiritually unburied. You know what he's coming for? The little money you had left. What I'm telling you, I know it's not in line with modern, you know, faith, faith preaching, but this is true, true preaching. Yes, because, you know why is God doing it? He said, I don't want this boy to die at 38. Listen, you see, as I go on, okay? I need to teach this to Christians. Hmm? Is for them to be persistent in personal improvement in Christ-likeness. Listen, you want, you saw some of the scriptures I want to read in a moment. Let me quote it so that in case I don't read it, you remind me that I said I wanted to read it, okay? Well, in fact, let's, let's just read it now. It was Paul speaking, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. What am I trying to emphasize to us? That when God wants to solve problems, it doesn't go the way human beings go. Not by changing the political structure. It's by changing the people. It is by changing the people. It's by changing the individuals. That was why he sent John. I'm just reminding us of that, of, the, of those points. That was why he sent John. And that was why when Jesus came, he did not fight the Romans like they thought he would. He said those things, this, that's not bondage. The real bondage is deeper than the one you can see. The real bondage is not the things you can see. Oh. You know, I don't know what I've ever noticed this before. You know, <laughs> have you ever, you know, you've seen fence. You know, have you ever stood and seen a fence? Looks very high. You can't jump, even has barbed wire on top. Then have you ever thought about it once? Okay? You are in a plane, you now look down. And you see all the fences, they don't look like there's anything, they just look like lines. You see those high, high fences, just one day, just enter a plane, when they are going, as the pilot is turning, they just look down like this. You now be wondering that, why, why can't I just walk over? <laughs> Do you get my point? They just look like lines drawn. Now, I'm going to say something here. What you look at on the earth, and it looks like big problems, that's how God sees them from heaven. That these things are nothing. So I say, Lord, today we are breaking this fence down. He's looking down from heaven. There is no fence there. There is no fence. There is no fence. When I want to move from one compound to the other, I just pick it like this, toss you over here. All the people that spent five years breaking fences, you will get to the next comp- five compounds ahead of them. Because from his own level, what you think are problems, they are not problems. He said, you know the real problem? He said, why? Why can't you fly? Are you getting, I hope I'm getting my point. What is the thing that's keeping the buoyancy of the spirit away from you so that you are held down? That's what they say. So people are learning 25 keys on breaking fences. And the Lord is not responding. So that fence is not a problem. So when God wants to change things for people, He doesn't come changing things. He comes changing people. He comes working on individuals. You know, Recently, well, again and again, I've had to think. And I've, I've found that one of the major problems of mankind is pride. Pride. There are two. I have reasoned and reasoned. I have not found a third problem of mankind. I have reasoned. I've not found anyone worse than these two. Pride and selfishness. Now, 
I'm not talking about those two now. I just want to bring out the issue of pride. Okay? It's crucial. Pride. Now, why am I bringing up pride? Because the moment you think you're okay the way you are, no matter how humble you feel, you are proud. In fact, once I was into somebody preach, and the matter of pride came up. And I wanted to ask myself, Panky, are you sure you are not proud? Or are you sure you are proud? And I realized that there is no answer. That the moment you say you are not proud, that statement alone is pride. So I said, let's forget it. We'll just continue working on humility. No, really. I was talking to myself. Oh, I just said, Panky, don't even bother answering this question. Every day, work on humility. Because the moment you say, in this area, I'm not proud, that statement is pride. Now, why is pride so deadly? Because the major thing that God wants for Christians, all right, is spiritual progress. And once you think you're okay, you become useless. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Human beings, your brethren, oh, this life, oh God, such, such a complicated place. Father God, help us. It's such a complicated place. The people that are trying to help you are really the greatest stumble, you know, what I mean, like they want to encourage you. Sometimes they are the major problem in your life. What I mean is this. Ah, Pastor Banky, he says, ever since I met you, my life has not been the same. And they talk, 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 talk. And when you preach this message, bam, my life changed. By the time they finish healing you. Sometimes I just in my mind, God, don't mind him. <laughs> it's not because I don't believe you. Or don't feel my head. Thank you. Don't feel my head. Otherwise, I'll just be feeling, going around and say, yeah. We are the ones changing the society. We are the You just go around feeling... No, really, I'm not lying to you. I, I'm encouraged, though. You know what I said? Those who encourage you can be your greatest problem. So I, you know, I said, I'm, I'm not encouraged. I'm encouraged. Really, many, of time, many times, many of you have told me this, and it encourages me, at least. We know that what we are doing is something, okay? But again, I have to be careful not to let it fill my head. Because the moment you think, yes, we have, we've had it made, that is the beginning of problems. I've seen men, great men, higher than one. No, Robert Leadon said God told him in a vision, the Lord told him clearly, go and study my servants, check why they succeeded, why they failed, write it down. I want people to read those things so that they will not make the same mistakes. So we've read some of those books. And you see great men fall. And according to this funny man, very funny man, I say funny because I don't like to quote him, he's a nation of Islam guy, Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan said, when you see men fall, don't laugh. Learn. He said, because if you laugh, what you are doing is that you are putting yourself... At, he said, because you are not immune from the temptation that made them fall. So when you laugh, you are now, instead of you fortifying yourself against the temptation, you become a victim of those temptations. He said, so when you see men fall, black or white, rich or poor, no matter the kind of person that falls, he said, don't laugh. Learn. You know, as a younger man, I used to wonder... How can you operate the power of God like this? See visions of heaven like this and still backslide. You know, as a small boy, I think it's not possible. I, I can backslide the boy because I've not seen anything. That's what they are doing. <laughs> but men who have seen things, they fell. And one major reason they fell, um, I think it was Robert Sledon, or somebody else was talking about John Alexander Darwin. He said the major problem with John Alexander Darwin was that he did things nobody else did. That he was used to opposition all his life. A man that was arrested over a hundred times in one year. He was used to opposition. They said God does not heal today. You understand? Yet nobody he laid hands on, all right, refused to get healed. 
The moment he discovered Jesus as healer, he started banishing sicknesses everywhere he went. Organized crime in the Chicago mafia tried to kill him. An angel would tap him and tell him to leave, and he would survive. They put a bomb under, you know, under the floor of his office. Then one day he was in the off church walking, walking. Suddenly something he said, look, go home, don't do. He continued walking. After a while, the feeling became urgent. So he packed up to the secretary, look, everybody, go. So he went home. As soon as he walked away from there, the plane exploded. Even in his bad state, when things were not working as well for him as he used to work, people said that uh, they were mocking him, calling him prophet. And there was famine in the land. Chicago didn't have rain. He traveled for a long time. When he came back, there had not been rain since he traveled. He said, will he dare pay, pray, pray for rain? No, there was a city he went to preach. They had not had rain for a long time. So people were there. He says, prophet, let him pray for rain. He finished preaching. Then he said, let us pray for rain. He knelt down and began to pray for God to send rain. Then suddenly he stopped praying and he got up. I said, everybody close. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. They couldn't make it outside. You know, he are here praying, Father, show mercy on this land because of this drought that has been on. I'm asking you for rain in the name of... Then suddenly stop. Just got up. People, everybody, pack, pack. Let's share the grace. Let's move. Let's move. Before they pack their things, Rain, do you understand? The kind of rain that was falling. That's the kind of man Alexander Dawe was. So Robert Leadon says something. That was why he couldn't be corrected. I don't know why I get the point. All his life he's been facing opposition. So he tell him this is wrong. He's been hearing since he was a little boy. He's been hearing this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong for such a long time. That when he began to do what was wrong, nobody could tell him it was wrong. So when you read the story of Alexander that, that, you now don't, you now don't know. Some people preach things like, listen, in life, always listen to correction. Listen. People, you know, some instructions sound nice. Eh? Except that when you've been corrected on 10 different things in one day, and everybody that corrected you, they are all wrong. You know the kind of corrections I have gotten, even me, my little level. After a while, I know, say, make sure you listen to correction. You know, that counsel actually has no meaning. Because I can only listen to correction when I'm sure I'm wrong. And if I was wrong, why am I listening to you? I would have corrected myself before you came. Who are you, my instructor? <laughs> Look, so when I read the story of, when I read the story of people like Dawi, eh? It becomes, it becomes scary. Robert Lesnar had to explain that, listen, that some of those men just feel sorry for them. They were pioneers of things. Nobody did them before they came. So they were used to being in opposition. So that when they became wrong, people tried to correct them. They were not used to listening. And they only came that far because they did not listen in the first place. So what was their strength? Became what? Their weakness. I said we should go somewhere, right? Yes. So I read all of those men. And listen, some of those things bring to you godly fear. The more I meditate about life, the more I realize that there is no, you don't have any option in life but to pray. There is no method. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the master key. Concerning Jesus, it was spoken that he was head in that he feared. He said he cried with many, how did it go, how does it go again? With many, with tears and crying to the one that was able to save him from death. And he was a head in that he feared. I've explained that thing before. The word fear in the Bible means fear. I don't like this holy reverence that we have converted it to. So it was heard because of his godly piety. 
That is modern translation. The literal Greek says what? Fear. The Hebrew word for fear, you know what I found out? Is fear. The Latin word for fear is fear. The English word for fear is fear. It's not reverence. People come and say, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to fear God the way you fear a rattlesnake. I agree with you. You shouldn't fear God the way you fear a rattlesnake. Because a rattlesnake can only kill the flesh. Fear God more than you fear a rattlesnake. That's my own advice. They say, fear doesn't mean you should be afraid of God. I said, what does dread mean? What did God say to Isaiah? Let the Lord alone be your fear and what? Your dread. Come on, don't teach me common sense Christianity. Let's read our Bible. Why did Jesus fear? What did Jesus fear? I will tell you. He realized that if he made one simple mistake, he puts the salvation of the whole of mankind in jeopardy. The plan of God for the ages will fall. It will fail. He knew the amount of load that was on his shoulders. So he feared. There's no godly piety. Please forget that thing. Listen, in my little life, eh, there are times, eh, <laughs> you know, I've been to places where I've been recognized. You understand? I did not know anybody knew me. I started and said, God, please, oh, let's not disgrace you. No, before I used to get angry a lot inside traffic, I was cured of anger in traffic for a number of reasons. Number one, I found out it, it, it raises blood pressure. That's one. But the one that killed me well, I now find out that many times you come out inside the car, half of the people in the bus, they listen to you. So if you misbehave, they will be looking at the word of God misbehave. That's what they are saying. They are not seeing you. That one I found out. The day some people came looking for who to harass, they came to my compound. When I began to talk, one guy jumped out, one of them came out from inside the bus. Pastor Frankie! I've been listening to him since I was a student. I said, Mama, you're inside this bus. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I can't even offer somebody a bribe now. Now, this is not about, uh, you know, all sinners will find his place in the lake. No, 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 no. The person I'm bribing, I may be ending his love, for, respect for the word of God. No, I have, look, the kind of strange places I have met people that know me. Ha. So, now, that, that one he loom. Look, let me know. There are things I don't do. They are legitimate. Though. They are good. Though. But some people come to me and say, maybe in the line of medical practice, telling my soul specialty and all of that. Tell me, one of the reasons why I don't like getting involved. I said, I can't charge somebody who listens to me preach. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's hard. People come to you sometimes. By the time you finish, they say, ah, excuse me, sir. Are you the pastor banking? <laughs> okay, what do you want me to do? Say, okay, how much is your fee for this? I can't have a fee. You've spoiled the whole thing. If you let me do my business finish before you ask whether I'm pastor banking. <laughs> now you have not started by asking me, are you pastor banking? What do you want me to do? <laughs> well, that is good. Now, you see what I'm, I'm talking about? Fear. And this is my, this is this small guy here. I didn't, I've not died for anybody yet, and I'm not lying in a very long time. <laughs> you know, if I die, it may be hard, God will replace me eventually. When, when I say it may be hard, I want you to have that in mind. Don't, I'm, it's not about me feeling too important. I don't like Christians feeling that they can easily be replaced. Walk with life knowing that it may be difficult for God to replace you. We'll talk about that again. Okay? 
Somebody said, I will end up being replaced. But Jesus couldn't be replaced. Are you getting my point? That plan of God was the only plan. There was no plan B. And then the person carrying that whole weight, believe me, he had to fear. That's the meaning of fear. It's not reverence anything, you know. He was held because of holy piety. We can't get it. That's why we start twisting scriptures. The word the Bible says is fear. Fear the Lord, ye his saints. It's fear. Fear is what they talked about. It's fear, he said. What's the meaning of fear? We all know the meaning of fear. I don't need to explain it further. Trying to explain it is trying to confuse you. It's true. Jesus was head because he feared. Christians should have that attitude. That's what I'm preaching. That listen, no matter how much you complain about things, no matter how much we you know, cry, I see newspapers every day, people crying, you know, politics, each election cycle, people have hope. Half of the hopes are dashed once results are announced, and half of the hopes are amplified to be dashed later when the results are announced. Of course, you know, like I told somebody, if I think I won this election, all these nice people are making, in six months, he's dead. You know what I'm trying to say? The same people shouting, vote for him, vote for him. In six months, they say, is this a change we voted for? That's a matter of fact. No matter how much we wish for these things, listen, God said, the solution is not out there. The solution is always inside people that I transform. Always. And I want my people to know that there are times I put a solution inside them. And if they don't do what they are supposed to do in a whole generation, that solution will not show up. That's what I'm talking about, fear. So what God does is to change people. When he changes people, it's true that, that he now manifests change in the environment. And the people he's working on are the people he calls the Israel of God. The remnant his people. Last time we talked about the called, the chosen, and what? The faithful. And I say faithfulness in itself is not even an end. It's continued faithfulness that is true faithfulness. It's persistent and continued faithfulness that is true faithfulness. It doesn't look. I have followed preachers for a very long time. You know, let me tell you something. <laughs> Sometimes I see preachers that I used to follow and I love with all my heart. And now when they are preaching, they say they're preaching next door. I can't even make the time. So I say, is it that I'm backsliding? Just then I began to wonder. People say, no, it's because you have grown. I say, it's not about, sometimes it's not about growth. There are creatures that I disagree with now on a lot of things, but their spirit is, so, is still so strong. I still listen to them all the time. But I say, why am I listening to this man again? I say, you say, listen to the message. Does he inspire you? I said, can't you see the proportion of common sense has increased? And let me tell you something. Common sense is what pulls the crowd. True gospel does not pull the crowd. The deeper the doctrine, the fewer the people. So if you believe in church growth, just go and dilute your doctrine. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm not here to judge anything. I'm not saying whether it's wrong or right. But if you're not willing to soften, hmm? your church is not growing in the number you are expecting. No, it's not going to grow. Not the way you are hoping. When Jesus preached hard, everybody left. Remain only Peter and a few other people. Jesus came to him. To whom shall we go? They said, you have the words of eternal life. That's why I tell you, Peter, they don't follow people for any other thing. Apart from the word of God, you perceive oozing from their spirits. Now, so I look at it. So, 
that thing, after a time, it began to scare me. People like Kenehegi were an encouragement, all right? I listened to the, 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 the prince till he died, the same thing he was preaching. You know, the person is in the 80s now, you know. So many men of God like that. I said, ah, well, I said, this is encouraging. This is encouraging. I didn't feel like, ah, I mean, I can't go this way. No, no, that is the way of, you know, after a while, you don't even know what you are preaching again. No, I didn't feel like I can't go that way. I just said, I don't want to go that way. That's all I can say. It's not I can't. I don't want to. That's the only thing to say. So, if I don't want to go that way, what do I do? I just start praying. I don't know any other thing to do. That's the point I'm making. It's just prayer. Let's read this particular scripture. I want to say we should read. The attitude that Christians should have. Remember, God wants faithful people. Faithfulness must be persistent. We just read Peter saying now that those that the people must grow in what? In grace and in the knowledge of God. Jesus said that if you have been found faithful, the words he used exactly is that if you are bearing fruit, what does it mean? You are ready for what? Pruning. You need to be pruned. You need to be pruned. If you will not go backwards, Peter said the only way is to keep on going what? How? Forward. You have to keep on going forward. The pressure must be on constantly. You must not relax at any particular point in time. First Corinthians chapter 9. What did Paul say here? Which I want to bring out. Verse 24. Okay, let me just start from verse 24. Then we'll read to verse um, 27. He said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. He said, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But how do I box? I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, I'm not going to discuss in details what this means now. Does it mean a Christian can lose his salvation or not? I don't want to get into that discussion now. Even though the Bible never said a living human being cannot lose his or her salvation. The Bible never said it. The only thing the Bible did again and again is to warn against it. So he doesn't want us to have this assurance that it can't happen. I don't want to go into it now. But let's not even talk about what Paul is talking about here in details. But what I want you to just realize one thing. That Paul realized that after everything he could, have, he could have achieved, there remained a possibility that he could be set aside. There remained a possibility that he could be disqualified. Whatever the, the significance of that, let's leave it for a moment. But that there's a possi- possibility can lose out in a particular way. It was very strong with Paul. Are you getting my point? All right. Now, so just bear that in mind. He now said, what is the defense against that? That's what I'm talking about. Which is what I'm, that's what I'm pricking, um, stepping our message into today from where we were last week. What is the defense against that? Paul said it is a matter of self-discipline, self-control in all things. And he explained that this is how it works. That if you find in a race, let's assume Olympics, the number of people that run, how many would run 100 meters Olympics to win the gold, attempt to win the gold? Who can guess the number of people? Okay, said nine. How many? Eight. Who can give me another number? People attempt to win 100 meters Olympics. Who can give me another number? Who run? 
trying to win Olympics 100 meters. 12. He says 12. Can you give me another number? Huh? He says over 50. That's the best estimate so far. What you watch is Olympics finals. That one, instead of them gathering in Greece, gathering in Los Angeles, where are they gathering next? I think Los Angeles are gathering next. Whatever they are gathering next, that is what they call Olympics finals. Each country will have done his qualifying races. Let's take Nigeria as an example. How many countries are going? Let's just, let's just make it easy. 200, all right? Countries and territories, 200. Okay, to make it easy. For 100 meters, which is one of the commonest races, each country will have done his own, you know, qualifying races locally. And that one will now let them know who can go for Olympics finals. So in each country, let's just make it easy. Nothing less than 20 people will have competed. You know that. 20 times 200. That's already, you know what the Bible was saying? What Paul said? In all of this, how many people will win? One. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said he's running for a medal that can be stolen, that can disappear, that has no inherent value really, no serious inherent value. Those days it was even worse. Their own was just flower, and actually leaves, a special, special kind of leaf. They made into a crown and they put on your head. And if you ever watch the Greek Olympics of those days, they ran naked. These days, we don't run naked anymore, not because we are civilized, because of technology. So all the clothes that they wear, doesn't wrap their body, it makes movement smoother than being naked. Otherwise, they will go naked, if allowed. The Greek people those days, those days they ran naked. Why? They didn't want anything that would hinder their winning the race. And Paul said, all of this for what now? For one crown that by the end of the next day, it has withered. Yes, there are some perks in the society. Those days, you didn't pay taxes anymore. For us, these days, you get, you know, they will give you all kinds of endorsements. You become a multi-millionaire. Do you understand? And Paul said, but to be able to reach that place, how do you do it? You bear it in mind that you are running, racing against thousands, but only one person will win. I want you to follow that. You are aware that how many will win? One. Now, have you ever watched the finals of Olympics 100 meters? From, uh, uh, there are eight, the final line, lineup. The time distance, the gap between the person that comes first and the person that comes last is less than one second. No one in secondary school those days, when they are running, 100 meters, it went wrong, wow! And you have teachers holding clock like this. Number one, you clock in, five seconds later, people are still arriving, and it's 100 meters. Hundred meters. People are still arriving. In finals, Olympics, do you understand? Between the first and the last, the gap is not more than half a second. The first guy may get 9.75. The next one will be 9.78. Next one will be 9.81. Then 9.92. Maybe 10.01. Less than half a second, everybody packs inside. So each person that is running is running to save 0.01 second. Everything he has to do to save 0.1 second, he does it. That's why when they are running, they push their head forward. That simple head flick can get to a gold medal. In 1988, when this woman, uh, Gil Devers, won her sealed 100 meters, females, finals, the, even the video, you slow the video down, it couldn't show you who won. 
they had to use still pictures. That's when they talking about a photo finish. They, she and the second person recorded exactly the same time. If she was, because it's female, that there was 10 point something. Assuming it was 10.15, the next person was 10.15. So when they finished, they didn't know who won. There she was, pacing up and down. Until finally her name flashed. Because they had to sit down and analyze the pictures. The time, it was exactly the same. She and the person that came second. I like the story of Gil Davis. Simply because her father prayed her from his sick bed. 18 months earlier, they told her to sign consent for amputation of her feet. You can go and read up the story. But when she won that COL88, there was not up to 0.01 second gap between her and the person that came second. Paul was saying, all of this, only one person will win. So what is the, what, what, what is the distance between the person that wins and the person that does not win? For 100 meters, is 0.01 second. Sometimes it is less. So you know what he said? You run so you can win. The athlete, if he finds a strand of hair that will slow him down, he cuts it. You don't find those female athletes with the hair scattered over the place. They bind it to the back rapidly. Hold it down because of air resistance. You know, one day I was watching, sorry I'm boring with these details. Once I was watching the preparation for uh, this, this Buddha's ski. You understand? This one's that ski here. And they stand in an air tunnel. They stand on something that measures air resistance. And you see them adjusting their fingers. If I put my finger like this, somebody's reading the resistance. No, you fold the finger in. You roll in the shoulder. Your thumb can't stick out like that. When you move the thumb like this, the machine shows the increase in air resistance. So those guys will practice for days on how to be perfectly aerodynamic. They'll be in a wind tunnel, battling the wind, standing there. Just flick, flick of fingers though. So the coach will let you know, no, you can't move that middle finger. It stays on your side permanently throughout the race. It is not important for moving your sticks. Why? Because the distance between the man that wins and the one that loses is so tiny. I now hear Christians arguing that if I marry two wives, does it mean I'll go to hell? I don't know whether you're getting my point. It shows you don't know what's going on. You don't know what is going on. That's why you'll be coming on uh, if I have to write, will they, will they disqualify me from the race? <laughs> Paul is saying, run as if only one person will win. And you are looking for the minimum to qualify. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Run as if only one person will win. Yes, and eh, is that so? Is it true that one man came in, somebody was telling one of my colleagues, he said, I was checking the Bible, though. where did the Bible say a man can have more than one wife? And you know the arguments you get into, you know that these people are not going the direction you are going in. They're not trying to win a race. The days of the Greeks, there was no law against wearing clothes to race. There was no law against it. These days, we won't accept nudity. But in those their own days, there was no law against not wearing clothes. The athletes did not wear clothes because clothes imparted air resistance. And the people said, no. Hey, what am I going to get with these clothes? He said, they will see your nakedness. He said, let them see my nakedness. They will also see my glory. So, Paul, let's talk about sin for a moment. In the book of Hebrews we read, he said, let's lay aside every sin that doth easily beset. That is the reason why I can't jump from one compound to another. Is sin. That how I assess things in life. I remember those days. People will be arguing on is it acceptable by God or is it not acceptable? 
when I say acceptable, I'm not mean, I don't mean Bible acceptable now. Like, will God send you to hell fire, or he will not send you to hell fire? Paul said, obviously, you are not in a race. That you're obviously not in a race. That if you're in a race, those are not the kind of questions you ask. You ask yourself, will this help me run faster? Or it will slow me down. So that there are things that are normal, they don't even slow you down, but they don't help you run faster, so you ignore them. Not because they hurt, not because they kill, but simply because they take time, and you rather use that time on things that help you run faster. Do you know these athletes we are talking about, even their professional ones, they hire people to watch their diet. Oh, you think using bolts, he just using bolts because he's tall and has long legs? When he, anytime you hear he won him, and maybe he, he, he got two million dollars, you think he went to my editor alone? He has a full-time doctor on his team. He gets to a particular level that maybe he's the only one his coach is coaching. And his coach has a wife, has children. His physiotherapist, he's his alone. His dietitian, maybe he's alone. It's not everything he eats. So anytime you say he's involved, you think he's just by doing like this? <laughs> Go and watch the story of, of um, Gil Davis. If you watch her story, eh, you will almost cry at certain points. She had a particular thyroid condition. They said they would treat her with radiation therapy. They said radiation therapy has serious complications should they give her drugs to take to prevent the complications. The doctors found she wasn't taking them. Why would Gil Davis not take them? She said they are banned substances by the Athletic Federation. I don't know whether you're getting my point. These are drugs to save your life. He said, but they are banned by the Athletic Federation. If they find it in my blood, they will ban me. If what I saw in that movie was true, okay, they multiply movies sometimes to make it interesting. She went to her coach. Dared the coach to tell her to take the drugs. The coach said, you, know, you have to make your own decision. He said, look at you. You know I can't take the drugs. And the complications became so bad, they dragged her to hospital the drug at the hospital, look at her feet. And doctors said they had undergone gangrene there to cut them off. But her story is a long story. When I watched this story, I said, this girl's father was praying for her because her father is a preacher. I said, this girl's father was praying for her. 18 months later, she won 100 meters Olympic, CL88. If you see what beating this girl took, for what the Bible says, is a crown that doesn't adhere to eternity. Then Christians are dealing with crowns that endure to eternity. They are telling that, you know, when you get to that country, the road is good. You know, there's way, there way God will look at you and say, Ikabod. When God looks at you and says, your glory has departed. That you don't understand what we are dealing with. <laughs> I was having a meeting yesterday night in Benin with my brethren. We are just planning some things. They were talking about, you know, children, how to get take care of children. I said, look, the major problem we have with children in this generation is not technology. They say, you know, these days, pornography is on the internet. It's just on their phone, on their tab. I have to talk to them. Drugs everywhere. I said, I beg. At the point in time, I said, please, enough of talk. I said, the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Don't scare me with technology. Don't scare me with availability of drugs. The grace we did not have in our days is available for them now. That's what the Bible says. I said, what is their real problem? Parents that don't believe Come on, you're scaring me with technology. I said, the real thing is parents that don't believe. 
The real thing is parents that will work for God, but we hide their children away from difficulty. And they think that is a sign of faith. You don't understand that is the height of the sign of unbelief. Because you go and read Exodus chapter 4, you will find out that when Moses did not circumcise his son, he almost died. Then it dawned on me that the circumcision on a boy is not a sign of his own covenant. It's a sign of his father's covenant with God. So what you do with your children is a sign of your faith. I don't care how much you have endured hardship around. What are you doing with your lives? People want to give their children best education. They don't wish to give them best morality. So they will send the children alone into Sodom and Gomorrah to go and learn physics and go and learn business management and go and learn fine art. And they have this lie. Oh God, I don't like, no, let me not get, when I get, I get irritated, I get angry. And I say it's for the future of the children. That's a sign you don't believe in God. <laughs> Some of them, this is a science of what we don't believe. When I began to meditate on these things recently, there are times I have it that is, I have requests from God. And I see the things that I want to do with that request. And I know how good those things are. But I will now say to the Lord, but Lord, if this will take a fraction away from the destiny that you planned for me, let's just say ahead of time, I don't want it. Not because it is evil. Not because God sends people to hellfire because of it. But because we are running a race. And possibly we should run. The way an athlete runs, when he knows only one person will win this race. Hmm. When you see an athlete say he does not drink, it's not fatal. In our church we don't drink. For information, alcohol is not banned. By IWF, because it does not enhance performance. They only ban performance enhancing drugs. But the athletes personally ban other things. They ban Valium. They ban alcohol. They ban anything that makes them drowsy. <laughs> it is not about hellfire. It is about lo- it's, a, it's about coming second. I hope you know to the average athlete. Eh? Those top level, I don't mean small, small boys, top level athletes. It's like Atiku. Coming second in this race. I hope you don't, it's not, there's no bragging right. If you like the road to a came second, you know, we should like, you see, we came second. You know that? If Christy Mogalu had mistakenly come second, we won't hear the rest of it. But Atiku can't come second because it was a serious contender. If Usain Bolt came second in the race, it's a loss. It's a loss. If one little boy never heard from, you know, from Ajegule, just goes for international and then comes second, hey, he'll be reprising. But if Usain Bolt comes second, newspaper will not sleep. They'll be analyzing, ah, did he, did he get off the block late? Okay, they, they, oh, if you see the analysis, how he got off the block late, I know there are drugs you take five days ago that will reduce the transmission of your nerves by 0.001 second. And the athletes know, so they burn it out of their lives. Paul said, that is the attitude of the Christian. That's the attitude of the believer. That's the attitude of the person that's going somewhere with God. That's the attitude of the person that God wants to use. That's the attitude of the champions that can make Christ win his battle against the beast. That is these people, you know how they are reasoning? 
Is this a sin? It's not a sin. It's not, they have gone beyond that level. They are like, is this performance enhancing or performance retarding? If it retards performance, Paul says, run as if only one person will win this race. So I'm sorry, I don't want. If race is tomorrow morning, Olympics finals, they now import a chair all the way from China, another all the way from Italy, one all the way from India, and of course the best of them all the way from Enugu. We now carry them finals in Greece. Finals tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Tell the man, nah, I get the original pounded yam. <laughs> and the Chinese man, the Chinese man say, oh boy, move to one side. Uh, this way, you know, this is a, they don't see food. All the English people are speaking. He's looking at all of you. The coach will look for police. <laughs> Sue you for, <laughs> honestly. He said, no, we just brought this man good food the night before his race. He said, bring them tomorrow after the race. Please, let me ask you, is there anything illegal in the food they want to eat? There are so many things they can't afford. Wake up tomorrow morning and the stomach is doing brew. The stomach must go quiet for the race. You know the truth? If there's calamity in the family, you don't tell him the night before the race. You will shield him. If the coach has to collect his phone, collect everything, he will. He has to be focused. Paul said, run like one person alone will win the race. Paul said, what do I do? He said, I buffet my body. When he said, I don't run, Verse 26. So therefore I run in such a way, not as without aim. I box in such a way, not as beating the air. He said, but I discipline my body. That is, this is the race. This is where I put my energy. The way the athlete does it. I discipline my body and make it my slave. I tell it where we are focused. I tell it what is helpful and what is not helpful. It does not tell me what it feels like. I hope you are getting my point. That if anything comes up, we, discuss, we ask ourselves, is this helpful in the race that God has placed in front of us? Is it uh, is not... Like, now I give the story of food. It's not, is it banned or is not banned? There are things that are banned. That's what we call sin as believers. There are things that are not banned. Paul calls them what? Lawful. He said, among these things that are lawful, not all of them are what? Expedient. And God said, those that can be used are not those who are still discussing is this a sin or is not a sin. He said, if that's still your level of discussion, you are useless. The people that are useful are the ones that are discussing is this expedient or is not expedient? Is this helping us or this is not helping us? There's something that the Prince said. So beautiful. I don't think I realized I was going to quote it. Well, I didn't get it out. I think I knew I was going to quote it, but I didn't think of getting it out. But I think I can remember it offhand. Before I quote Derek Prince for you, let me just explain the principle behind it. You see what Paul said? Well, the book of Hebrews. Let's just quickly read that. Hebrews chapter chapter 2. No, let's read that Hebrews Hebrew chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse, uh, verse um, 1. He said, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he said, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Now, let me just stop um, at that particular point. What I want to bring out is the fact that he said, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, that's number one, and the sin which so easily entangles us. What I want to bring out is the word encumbrance. You see, in life, remember we said something here, that Jesus said, that's what we began from, in that John chapter 15, that whosoever does what? Bears fruit. The father does what? He prunes. Jesus said that we will be pruned if we bear fruit. Now, the mistake we make sometimes as believers, which I've already talked about earlier, is thinking that we get to a particular point and we, have ma- we are made. And I said that's one major reason why ministers fall. Okay? Especially when you are ahead of everybody else. No matter how far ahead of everybody else you are, if you don't continue running, if you don't continue the walk, you start falling down. That is a matter of fact. Now, so we have, we have borne that in mind. So if we are producing fruits, therefore, Jesus said, it means we are ready for the next level. You must understand how the Lord works. If, uh, I mean, he gave out talent, one got tenfold, right? Your, your, your mina master has made how many more? Ten more. And then there was one man whose mina made no more. You, you remember that guy? What did they say about him? You should remove what he has and be given to who? The man has ten, that has ten. They now said to the Lord, well, he has ten already. The, the Lord now said to them, no, you see, he, to him that has more will be given. That is, he has demonstrated the capacity to handle ten. For that reason, we give him the eleventh one. Which means that if he handles eleven, he gets the twelfth one. He never gets to a point where they say, how many does he have? 2,725. And the Lord says, is enough? No, it doesn't happen. What the Lord does, is okay, he's doing that well, add 200 to it. And that he shall do all the days of that man's life. That's how the Lord does it. I hope you're getting my point. Now, in getting us to move to a new level, which is what he wants, he wants every new season, every year, for us to step up to another level. Now, he doesn't just push you to another level. Hmm? He doesn't just do that. What he does is to remove the encumbrance that's keeping you at a particular level. As a matter of fact in life, there is always an encumbrance keeping you at the level where you are in. If it's a bad level, it's called a sin. If that level is good, it's still an encumbrance. Like I said to you earlier, sometimes the reason why some people, ministers as an example, are on a particular level is simply because they are blessing people so much and they hear the testimonies every day. So, you know what the Lord does many times? He says, okay, since this guy is so used to hearing all these bad, bad, good, good things said about himself, sometimes God will just wake somebody up and say, begin to abuse him on Facebook. It sounds funny, but he does that. Satan will just go with God's approval. Say, have you considered my servant okay, Mute? He said, yes. He said, he's feeling wife. He said, yes, I noticed. Abuse him small. On Twitter, they just say, look at his head like calabash. Then the team will just start trending. What do they call trending? Just a hash, okay, Mute, calabash. The team will just start trending. <laughs> you know, he used to come before to sit on Facebook and Twitter and see how they are swelling his own head. Now, anytime he opens it, there's all these fake pastors. Anytime you type in your name, your name has been linked with fake pastor. If they type in fake pastor, Banky comes up on top. Anytime it happens like that, don't be angry with the internet. 
Don't be angry with everybody. God says, stop going there. That has become your drug, your medicine. I'm curing you. Don't be angry with anybody. There will always be one. What's the name of our guy in Lagos? Daddy Freeze. There is always a Daddy Freeze ordained by God to wake you up to thinking. Free the sheep. Listen, it is not of Satan. It is of God. Some people are getting angry, abusing the man. I say, no, God said, all of you go and settle down. Check what you are doing. The man was writing the letter. His spirit may have been wrong. Do you understand my point? But at least in letters he was right. You people sit down and check your doctrine. Because there is a level I want to take the church to. If you will hold on to that doctrine, the church will never get to that level. And if the church stays in this level, I will have to use the principle of Job to move them. The very things they boast in, and we kill all of those things. They will look naked. Many will run away. A few will endure and learn my lesson, then they move to a new level. It's called pruning. You know, I was reading my Bible. You know, when people say, What's the thorn in the flesh that Paul had? I said, Just read your Bible. Go and read your Bible very well. I found out that every time Paul gets to a city, instant breakthrough. But there's there are very few cities, I can't remember any standing up in my head, though, that he left peacefully. And there was no city Paul stayed in by force. Once you beat him, he's gone. Go and read the Bible. Don't take my word for it. Take the book of Acts. Start this evening. Start around chapter 10 when his, his, his move really came into the picture. Because it started after Peter and Cornelius and all of that. Okay? Every city he enters into. Barnabas was the one that was introducing him to people initially. In a short, every meeting they went to, Barnabas was his assistant. He became the main preacher. Anointing was flowing from Paul. I don't know what Paul said to that man at Lystria. Born without feet. Paul suddenly looked at that man. Perceived he had faith to be healed. Stand up on your feet. The man got up and began to walk. They said these people are gods. He said don't worship us. Then other people came and stoned him and he died. He said Paul died. Read your Bible very well. He died. They checked his pulse. No pulse. Checked his pupils. They concluded based on evidence he was dead. Then he left. The brainers surrounded him. Paul got up again. Up at the city, packed his bag, packed his books, and left. <laughs> no, that's how he used to do <laughs> Go and read it. He will get to one city. Things will be moving. Everybody, then one copper smith will show up. And the church will always move him away. That was one way Paul's ministry spread. That was what he called turning the flesh. He took God time, went and prayed. God said, huh? my grace is sufficient for you. When they start beating you, just run. He said, why? He said, they shouldn't beat you. If, they run, if, they, if, you, if you run, honestly, they won't pursue you. That's what happens. Our success many times, all right, is the reason why we become comfortable. So God says, how do I move you to another level? It's called pruning. So what do you do? Make the success a problem. Because they make the success a problem. There are many preachers that are enjoying Social media too much. God said, leave that social media and go and, go and do your work. <laughs> they are there posing. Wearing a money suit. Posing for a photographer. God is looking at them and saying, you. Say, I'm warning you. They are giving you suit to wear and photographing you and putting it on Twitter. And sharing it. God said, I will rub dung in your face. What I've said, you know, I like to say things like this so that you know they are not the play. God is warning people. Say, leave that. Tw- if you don't leave that Twitter. They will photograph you naked while you are bathing. And I will have them leak the picture until you hate social media. You will run away. 
They will even lie. They will catch another man with another man's wife and they remove the face. You know these days? No replace it. And I will not let you defend yourself. Only, only those that know you will know it's not you. And those that never liked you, they know it is you. Are, are you getting my point? <laughs> he said, God, defend me. He said, he said, is it true they are telling? He said, no, it's not true. He said, do I know it is not true? He said, I know it's not true. He said, why are you now bothering about what they think? You just, that day you will close Facebook account, Twitter account, Instagram account, even email account, self, you go. go. <laughs> you will close. You know what the reprint said? Every, now I was going to close the reprint. He said, each advance with God causes you to give up something. He said, the point you stop giving up something, that's where you stop making spiritual progress. I like the analysis, we'll look at it later. Each time Abraham had to make an advance, God told him where to go. There's a land I will show you. Leave your father's house and your relatives. You know what Abraham did? He left with his father and Lot. He was stuck in Haran until his father died. It was when his father died, the word of the Lord came again to him in Haran. Then he had problems until he slent and he separated from Lot. Separating from Lot was painful. Listen. Abraham couldn't move to the next level at a point in time until he separated from Hagar and Ishmael. And this interesting part with God. There was a level Abraham could not go beyond until he was even ready to separate from Isaac. Can you believe that? God even tested with separation from Isaac. Listen, God will separate. Listen, I don't want to say amen or on amen. But this, what's the opposite of amen? I don't know. There are people listening to me. The most difficult separations of your life is this 2019. Don't feel bad. That is the only reason why 2020 will be better. Friends will go. Relatives will go. Jobs will go. Passports will disappear. I'm telling you the truth. There are places you have labeled. They are just about to promote you. Then they remove the promotion ladder and break it. Listen, let me just end with this. Don't feel bad. What did I say? Please tell your neighbor, say no need. Tell your neighbor, there's no need. Say there's no need to feel bad. It is promotion coming your way. I'm not saying more money coming your way. You know when you say promotion now? Worldly people. Say, well, you were making a million. You are going to two billion. I didn't say that. What did I say? Promotion. Promotion. How it will be, I don't know. But one thing that I know for certain, it is what? Promotion. This is one thing I want you to cry to God for in your heart. Lord, I don't want any shred of my destiny to be denied me. I have much more to say, but let's close here. Say, Lord, I don't want one shred of my destiny to be denied me. Not one. Not one shred of my destiny. Whatever it will take, whatever you need to prune, go ahead. Prune it, Lord. I don't want one shred of my destiny to be denied me. Father, I will give you thanks for today. Just lift your hands and give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for pruning me. Thank you, Lord, for lifting me. Thank you, Lord, for taking me up to another level. Not one shred of the destiny of God for my life will be missed. Not one shred of the destiny of my life will be missed. Do what you have to do in me, Lord. But make me please you in all my ways. Father, we give you thanks.
In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Every encumbrance to you manifesting the will of God for your life be removed now in Jesus' name. You know, when Jesus came, after people had been baptized by John, he went around healing the sick. A sign of forgiveness is healing. What does he heal the sick? People who are sick cannot do the will of God fully. Now, every affliction, every disturbance in your body and in that of your loved one, I curse it this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Be free to do God's will. Amen. Be free to manifest his glory. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's what is called the oppression of the devil. Let me tell you what it is. No time to explain in details now. It's every affliction that stays after forgiveness has happened. That's what is called oppression of the devil. Before that time, there's what is called just recompense of reward. But, but once you have been forgiven, after you've gone to the first and second day of John the Baptist, every affliction on your body now becomes an oppression. Now every oppression in your body this evening, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please don't believe that lie. That God can forgive but the consequences remain. That is called unbelief. Let God do what he wants to do and stop mis- making excuses for his inadequacies. He doesn't have it. Be forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Rise up and be healed in the name of Jesus. Get up from that place where you have been downtrodden in the name of Jesus. Every pain in the head, in the eyes, in the feet, and everywhere in between, I curse it, I command it to go away. I declare to the people of God, you have been set free. I declare to the people of God, thus says the Lord, you have been set free. Now walk in the freedom of the Almighty. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This coming week will be good for you. Amen. Listen to me. The election of Buhari is good for you. Amen. Nigeria is good for you. Amen. The governor that will be elected, the one that will be elected in Enugu next week is good for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All things are working together for your good. Amen. Believe it. All things are working together for your good. Amen. The election of the head of state is for your good. Amen. God will perfect everything that concerns you. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. Live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, manifestation means that you will bless somebody. You will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. God will make grace abound towards you. You will be one solving financial problems for people. That is the meaning of manifestation. Now, bless the people around you with that. This is your season. Multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Two more people, this is your season. One more person, this is your season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus. What about yourself? This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, cherub brethren, God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday and the whole week.